The following is a production of Casually Hardcore and Versus the World Productions. www.vtwproductions.com Welcome. Is that live? Uh, that is live, yes. We were all trying to be all subtle. We were going to be like, oh no, we're going to be like Tom Waits, man. We're just going to come out all subtle. And I get out on stage, I'll boo! I'm not subtle. You had to get the reaction. Yeah. You had to get the reaction out of there. I you were like, hold on, we didn't get it right when we came out like Tom Waits. <laughs> we got to get out of there. Well, I ain't Tom Waits, so I got to say boo. I think you're a little better than Tom Waits, personally. Well, but. I look better than he does. All right. So let's get this started. Now we're going to chat a little bit. And this is the James Marsters panel. If you guys aren't here, you guys should be here anyway. So wrong panel. It's that way. Trust me. All right. So, sir, let's get talking. And something fell down, but well, who cares? All right, so let's talk. You are classically trained, yes? Oh, yeah. I, I learned everything in college that you never would make money for. Yeah. Me too! See, I'm here. What did you do in college, man? Ooh, I I'm going for, like, film. I know ah, I'm, the, I'm not going to get it. Trust I'll me. I'll see you in the unemployment line, bro. I'm going to die broke. I know this. Either die broke or shattered dreams. And man, if you're an artist, then you don't have to spend so much money on your entertainment because your entertainment's at work. So ramen is the greatest food ever. <laughs> give me a little. Give me. Come on, give it up for ramen. Yeah. Because yeah! you can spice it. You can put a little onion in Thank there, you. a little bit of green onion, a little I had bit of a sandwich like, what are you meat. Doing? I'm like, no, no, no. I can get like a little uh, piece of gristle yeah. and put that in there, yeah. and it'll cook in. It'll be, be delicious. I used to. I used to live. I used to uh, live on. I, I was so poor until I was until I met Joss Whedon. I was like seriously. I had a I had a theater company and I was sleeping on a big pile of rags in the back. And seriously, ramen was like when we had ramen, that was the good night. Yeah, that was the one. We normally, like, it was just cold beans, man. Oh. Yeah. Well, actually, oh, here feel sorry for. I was happier than I ever been in my life, man. I was producing beans theater. Delicacy here. What's that? Cold beans of delicacy, delicacy here. We love beans here. I'm telling you right now, if you give me beans and rice, I can live like for two days. I'm if you get fast. hungry enough, man, anything is <laughs> yeah, exactly. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alright, so let's talk about your uh, classically trained. Um, could you tell us how you feel about Macbeth? <gasps> oh! uh, that's my favorite subject to go on and on and on about. Uh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, feel, uh, I feel like Macbeth is um, the one Shakespeare that's never been filmed correctly. I feel like it's very rarely produced correctly. I feel like everyone, th everyone thinks that there's a curse on the play, but it's only because most of the time it sucks. I, I, I've seen so many horrible Macbeths, and I really think that it comes down to this central mistake, which is thinking that Lady Macbeth is a bitch. Because she's really, if you really look at the script, she's not. And how can you believe in a hero that is beaten over the head and shoulders by his wife? I mean, he's a weakling. So if you really look at the script, like, this is why everyone thinks Lady Emma's a bitch, right? There's a scene where Macbeth comes out and he goes, man... And he talks to the audience. He goes, man, I don't think I can kill this king, man. He's too popular. If I kill this guy, the, the, the tears are going to rain from heaven, man. The whole country is going to explode on me. I'm not going to kill him. Fuck it. I can't do it. <laughs> and then his wife comes in and says, hey, man, why, why, why are you not at the, the little party with the king? You, 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 we're all getting bored out here. What are you doing? And he turns to his wife and he says, man, I don't think we should do this murder. I, I think it's a bad idea. And she goes, what the fuck? 
and, and she takes after him, and she's like, like are you a man or a mouse? Are you, what are you? And everyone, because of that scene, thinks that she's an emasculating man-hater or something. But the truth is, I used to be a little bit of a criminal, like just a little bit of a criminal. Piquito? And Piquito? What? Piquito? It's, it's un poquito. Un poquito, poquito criminal. Um, and so the thing is, like if you're jacking a car, right, and you got the Jimmy in the window... Which, which I'm not admitting have? anything here. Is it um, a safe lock? Is it the safe lock, Jimmy, or the? Uh, no, I was the some old. Class? I didn't have to deal with that. Oh man, but but like, okay, seriously, if you're underneath the street lamp, and if I was Jimmy and I got my, my partner there, right, and I go, you know what? I don't feel too good morally about this. <laughs> what my partner's going to do is say, "You weakling son of a bee! How dare you!" And he's going to tra- he's going to take after me, and that's all that Lady M does. Yep. But the thing that you can tell if you read the script, every time she tries that on him, he goes, "Shut up, man." You're not a man. You don't know what man is. You, you know all about being a woman, but I'm the one guy who knows about man, so uh, speak to the hand. <laughs> and then, but it's only when she says, hey, man, I, can, I know how we can get away with it. We'll blame the guards, man. We'll get them drunk, and we'll, we'll get them asleep, and then we'll tell everybody that they killed the king. And he turns on a dime and says, baby, you are so sexy. <laughs> he says, never have a female child because you are so kick-ass you should only have men <laughs> and they and, and they go off and so so if you fix that one thing if you just make lady macbeth a beautiful young naive queen who thinks that they just commit the murder and forget about it and it'll all be cleaned away if you just don't think about it which is a big mistake then everything's going to be okay she's got a big problem the problem is she's too naive but it's not the, the fact that she's a bad person but if you, like, I, I, did, I did one, one uh, production of Macbeth, and, I, saw, and, and I, I played all the little parts. Yeah. So I'm over, like, cowering stage right, taking notes in my head, and the Macbeth guy made every mistake you can possibly make in the Really? Play. Yeah. I mean, they laughed at him. They, during the curtain call, they laughed at him. That's great. No, it was horrible. He was a good I know, actor. but it's Jesus greatly horrible. Christ. It's like an epic fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the most epic of, you just, ye oldie fail. <laughs> But I took notes, like, don't do that, don't do that, good God, don't exactly. do that. Like, don't cower from the ghost. At one point, one of the people that he murders comes back during a banquet, and it's his best friend. And a lot of actors go, oh, God, Banquo, save me. Get it. The guy's a warrior. The, the, the reaction, I mean, like, guys, you got fight or flight, right? And you don't pick flight if you play Macbeth. You pick fight. So if the, if the ghost comes up, draw the sword, man. Fight me. I think great if the actor on stage just does that randomly and the ghost is just like, what the? And he gets stabbed. I'm an actor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he actually gets stabbed right here. He's like, lives, but punctured lung. And it's just like, wow, that was the most effed up ghost stabbing ever. <laughs> Ghostbusters be damned. There was one actor, because I, I did a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of research before I did Macbeth, and there was one actor, I'm trying to remember his name. He played Merlin in Excalibur. Thank you, Nicole Williamson. Thank you. Right nice on. pull from the very, class. Who was very, that? very nice, brother. Yeah. Raise your hand, Nicole Williamson. That guy's bad A. That's right. Uh, but he chose to hide behind Lady Macbeth's skirts from the ghost. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's about as wrong as you can possibly get. And then I read. There's, no, there's only an audio recording of Laurence Olivier's Macbeth. There's no visual recording, but, the, but, the, but it's legendary. And everyone says that when he met the ghost, he drew his sword, got up on the banquet table, and said, Fight me! 
And that's a warrior. There we go. So that's Shakespeare. Let me ask you a question. What geek universe have you not been in? For Lord's sake, man. You Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes and Star Trek. That's it. Have you done Star Trek? I wrote a, a, a treatment for a new Star Trek series. I was, okay, this there is why go. I'm in Star Trek. I was at the very first Star Trek convention, the very first fan convention in the world in 1978 in Oakland, California. And William was there, and um, uh, uh, everybody was there. And, and I, 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 had, uh, I had my pointed ears that my makeup friend from Sacramento built yes. for me. I, I had erased my eyebrows Dude, uh, with soap. The, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, And I, I built up my own, like meticulously built up little whiskers on my forehead oh, for the that's thing. Awesome. And, and I had a tunic that I made myself. I had a phaser that I carved out of uh, plaster of Paris, but it looked really good. And I then, bet, I and, bet, yeah. And, and a big blonde afro. <laughs> but I was really popular at the con because my phaser was better than anybody else's phaser, man. Nice. So you've been in the Star Wars as a voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been in DC. Oh, Bulls I cars. saw the very first Star Wars ever shown to the public, by the way. Really? Yeah. Tell us that story, please. Why? Well, of course. We didn't what? plan this at all. We're going to Actually, Zoom. we didn't plan anything. I was like up, up watching CNN trying to feel, figure out if the top kill worked, um, which, by the <laughs> way, it's not going so well. Um, <laughs> so I was living in Marin. I spent a year with my dad, and he lived in Marin. And George Lucas lived in Marin too. I lived uh, lived in San Anselmo, and he was in San Rafael. But he invited all of the uh, actor geeks to watch his geek movie. And so there was a little sign-up board on the on the uh, near the theater. Do you want to see Star Wars? And I was like, Well, that looks cheesy. <laughs> my God. Well, it's free. What the heck? And. And I took my, my dad and my brother, and we sat down in San Francisco, and we waited for three hours. Three hours? Three hours. Nothing happened for three hours, and we're just like, let's go get a sandwich, Sounds man. Like this episode is ridiculous. One, by the way. <laughs> I love you, Lucas. If you can see this somewhere, I do love you. I'm just saying. Please don't kill me. But, but then George comes down the center aisle, yeah. and he goes, guys, I'm really sorry you had to wait, man. Uh, the film is not completely done. A lot of the music cues are not really finished, and the color correction's not right, and the mats, sometimes you can see the mats around the spaceship. And, and we were editing the film up in the projection booth. That's why it took so long. <laughs> the final cut is... So, oh, no, it gets better. It gets oh, better. Oh, please. It's, it's a long story. I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? We so, got an hour. Okay. So then, so for like six months, it was my film, right? And no one else had seen it. And I was talking to my friends. I was a freshman in high school. I was 14, perfect age for the film. And, I, and I'm trying to describe this sensation that I had. And all I can come up with is, and then there's this golden droid, man. And, and this little tiny droid. You don't even know how he goes through the desert like that, but he does. And, you know, and they all think that you know, like, he's gone insane. He's, he's freaked out on us. And then the movie came out and it hit. And, but I still felt like it was my movie, right? And George Lucas was the next-door neighbor of one of my friends. Mm-hmm. And I, de- I decided that I would write him a letter. So I wrote him a letter saying that, hey, man, you're using old myth here. All this, this story that you're telling is not your story. It's the basic hero journey. It is, it, it, it is, it is 4,000 years old. And good for you for using it again. But it's not just for kids. This myth is for adults and kids together. So don't oversell this movie. I don't want to see any breakfast cereal. I don't want to see any nappy blankets. I don't want to see a lot of toys about this movie. Because if you... Well, hold, hold, hold on one second. I had to cut you off there. 
because I do have like the R2, two R2s. I'm self customing Me one. Too. I know. Did you get Obi Wan and then the old school Obi Wan? I have like eight lightsabers. Dude. In my house. Yeah. Yes. Do you have the uh, extendable ones? No. Oh, I have everything. But the, the best oh, ones beautiful. are the ones that light up. No, I've got the extendables too. I've yeah, got yeah. the light up extendables. I've got the best one really though is the non light up extendable because it, it really is a short thing and you it's, can wear it and it really flips out and it's only that about that long but you really do feel like you got a lightsaber oh but yeah no i got i got like eight lightsabers and all the all the kids when i visit my son in uh in northern california all the kids from the neighborhood come when we're there and we all just run around an orchard with lightsabers every day let me tell you something i got so anyway so so i i i i write this letter saying don't sell too many toys <laughs> <laughs> right, and I knock on his door, and he answers the door. At which point, my knees go, blah, blah, blah. and and I hand him the letter. And then about a month later, his uh, secretary wrote back to me, and he says, "George read your letter. He respects your views. You're completely wrong. <laughs> we are going to sell billions of dollars worth of toys, but don't worry, there'll be good toys." And it really was. It was the first time that someone treated me like an adult. It was really like, dude, you're completely on the wrong track, man, but I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and now I have every Star Wars toy. Like, my son doesn't even want to see Star Wars anymore. He's like, really? I'm, I'm done. Oh. Yeah, because I'm the bigger freak. That's a, yeah. that's a heartbreaker right there. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Let me tell you about those uh, lightsabers, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, you know the, so the tips, they're soft, but if you flip it, knock somebody right out. <laughs> really? I'll tell you a story backstage <laughs> later, okay? Okay. Me and you will talk. Right on. Uh, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, it involves big people. All right, so so we've done Star Wars. You've been in DC, which, by the way, uh, greatest Brainiac character ever. I loved it. Thank you. Um, I've seen it only second to the uh, actual animated series because you're just so calculating. I loved that. Um, then you also did Spider-Man with Neil Patrick Harris as Spider-Man in the, um, the MTV version. Did you not? Yes, I did. Yes, I know you did. Yeah, I had the DVD, and when I saw it, so your name come up. I'm like, What? I who did I play in that? You played um, Craven's alter ego. I was a bad guy then. Yeah, you're a bad guy. I like how I'm telling you your own stuff. <laughs> we're looking, uh, we're for, looking Jessica. for Jessica Frey. Is there a Jessica Frey in here? It's important if you tell me you're Jessica Frey. You win money. All right, there's no Jessica Frey. Thank you. That was important. Trust me, I would not break this. But back to the point of hand. Uh, Battlestar Galactica now. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. favorite Doctor Who. I met Mary McDonald, by the way. What? Oh, my God. She's so uh. cool. She has like a light around her head, man. And it comes out of her eyes. And she just, when you're, you sit next to her, you just feel like, oh, that's nice. Are you sure she's not Superwoman? Like, she's got... No, man. She's just really smart and really, nice. really kind and gracious. Just really wonderful. Yeah. And, of course, the Whedon verse. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to go in sections of the... Yeah, I'm not going to go in sections of the universe because it's all one. I'm just waiting for the day he makes a comic that all connects together. And it's just like, awesome. Buffy's connected to Firefly, connected to Dollhouse. That's great. <laughs> Woo! And then Dr. Horrible's seen long blogs in there somewhere. The one thing that I can guarantee you is that whatever Josh writes, Spike won't be in it. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, this is a good story. This is a good... The thing is that Joss wanted... He doesn't like Anne Rice, right? He doesn't want his vampires to sparkle. <laughs> Nothing against Twilight, but, but Joss is really specific. He wants vampires to be ugly and hideous and very quickly dead. Yes. And so he got talked into the character of Angel by his writing partner. 
Yeah. Right? And he really was uncomfortable with the idea of making a romantic vampire. It was really against what he was trying to do, but he got talked into it, and then Angel took off, and it was a big hit, and then I came along, and then Joss comes up to me about a month into it, and he says, I don't care how popular you are. You are going to die. You're dying. The only reason you are here is so we don't devolve into Scooby-Doo. You got it? So you so, died. So uh, I could always, like, Joss would come in, and he would write uh, two or three episodes a year, uh, and then he would direct those. Mm-hmm. And I always knew if Joss was on the head, I had a week off, man. Yes. Nice. So you, then you died, you came back, and then now you're, in the, you're living in comic books, I believe. Still, you have your own comic book. Yeah, and I still look young, which is really yeah. cool. Uh, you still look young now. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I like you, too. Yeah, see? I got I to gotta be like, hey, I'm going to be at the concert later, so I'm going to be like, what up? No. All right, no, so. My girlfriend, scratch your eyes out, man. Dude, no, not like that. Not like that, no. More like, hey, do you got beer? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got Sweden. I'm missing one, and I had a list. So if anyone can remember any other verse that he's been in. Oh, Andronima. What? Andronima. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that episode, and it freaked me out, too. Kevin Sorbo was a good guy, I got to say. I bet. But they dressed me in purple, so I was yeah. like, I'm out. I'm out. Purple. You don't like the purple? No. no, didn't like the purple. So you're a big Gogo Bardello fan, where it's like, stop wearing purple, <laughs> wearing black. Yeah. Nice. Well, black is very slimming, you know? Purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leather. Leather's also very slimming. Yeah. All right, so, do you want to talk about any uh, projects that are coming up? Um, I've got uh, Caprica, which is a... uh, Yeah, give it up for Caprica! I can't guarantee you that I'll be back on Caprica, except they, 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 they changed the script where they were supposed to kill my character. They left it open-ended, so you don't really know if he's dead or alive, and, and... It's so pathetic, but when, they, when, when an actor finishes his role on a set, everyone applauds. It's rap. Yeah, it's, it's called rap? Yeah. No, no, no. no. And this is James's last shot, everybody. Thank you, James. And they all clap. Oh, you're such a great, yeah. Ridiculous. But nobody claps for, like, the key grip or the, you know. The, yeah. You know. Uh, anyway, so when they clap me off, they said, and this is James's last shot, and he's kind of dead, but everybody knows he's going to be back. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> and it was really kind of it was, it was sad because I had a, like a crony and, and they didn't say that about him and he just oh. went I'm I've dead, been there I've been I'm on dead. a set before they like they wrapped everyone else and even the child who's playing my daughter got it and I was helping out on set because I've done key grip and stuff so I was like oh I'll hang a light because I'm always helpful I, I do something and they're like eh, it's a rap for everybody else and I'm walking out and one of the people's like isn't it Ryan's rap too and they're like Oh, we were saved the best for last. Oh, I'm man, like, dude, that's the biggest compliment you could get because th- 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 that means that the crew thinks of you yeah. as one of them, yeah. not the freaky actors who have to be clapped off or they'll cry. Well, I was fine with it. I was fine with it, but it was one of those things where it's like, I don't get cake? I wanted cake, man. I hate cake. What? No, it, yeah, if it's your birthday on a set, they close down set, and they, everyone claps and says, happy birthday, Oh, that's girl. obnoxious. And, 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 and the work stops, and you can tell. Everybody just wants to get back to work so they can get back home to their children and their wife, man. And, and, but, but again, you know, the director of photography doesn't get a birthday cake. You know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's I think that's director of photography should. That's like yeah, above the line. Definitely get that. I understand if you're like PAs because you got 18 PAs that share one. Actually, you know what? They should share birthdays. <laughs> Group them up in one month. Yeah. One birthday for everybody for and one month. Just finish it and everyone during gets a the pie. summer. Anyway, then I'm also on Hawaii Five O, which is Woo! Five O. 
Uh, it was one of my favorite series when I was a kid. I just think Jack Lord just had the best hair in the world. Uh, and uh, it's a remake. The, the, the original, the guy who created 24 is producing it. Oh, wow. Right on. It is, uh, it's the series that, that uh, the network put all of its money and all of its best crew and all the good people on it. It's the one that they absolutely want to hit. And the pilot apparently is testing at 90%, which is higher, which wow. means that 90% of the people to see it want to watch the show regularly. And that's higher than CBS has ever had in the history of the network. Okay, so it's CBS. Are we going to see that fall maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Fall lineup. And the, the, um, the cool thing is, is the lead, Alex, is a, a certified stuntman in nice. Australia. And uh, I do a lot of my own stunts too. Right? So he's like, we're, we're driving to set for the big final fight. Right? And he's like, man, I don't get any respect. I keep telling this stunt crew. The stunt crew was the same. They're the top. They're the people that do the Bourne Identity movies. Right? So they're kind of cocky. And they're telling Alex, like, don't worry. We'll take care of you. You will only have to do a few moves at a time. Wait, and are Alex they European? Is like, What's that? Were they European? Are they European? No, no, no. no? Oh, all well. Americans. And then, and and so Alex is in the van going, man, I don't get no respect, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stunt man, and they think I'm, I'm they think I'm made of cake or something. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm saying, you know, Alex, this is the very beginning, man. It's a relationship. They don't know us yet. They, they'll, 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 they'll learn about us. We'll be cool. And we get on set, and sure enough, they're like, don't you worry, everything's going to be okay. And then we do, we do one take, and it goes great. And the two stunt guys just kind of, their shoulders kind of slump, and they go, sit down. <laughs> and I think, I think the stuntman got in for one take on, that, on the final oh, fight. Wow. And so the next day, I was, in, uh, I was in the transpo van going to set, and the, the, the main producer's in the back seat, and he's on the phone to network, and he's going, did you see the fight? Did you see the fight? <laughs> no, no, no. You have to watch all of it. It is awesome. It was I didn't say anything to anybody. I was like... One camera? Huh? One camera shoot? Yeah. Or, yeah. Wow, and one take? Well, no, no. I mean, like, the, 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 the first take, I mean, it, okay. was, it was probably five to seven moves. Dude, yeah. You know, you... He, like, I, I crammed him in the face, and then he slams me up against yeah, the yeah. cargo container, and then I kick him in the nuts, and then... There's another move out of that. But, you know, it's like four or five together. And at that point, they're like, oh, well, they can fight. Yeah, yeah I was sitting there. I was like, really, one take? Wow. That's amazing no, for no, an no, action no, no. scene. No, 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 no. He it must have a- had 28 cameras like Michael Bay. It's like, <laughs> these are exploding. No. You can't. You, 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 you really can't do a fight effectively for more than one yeah. uh, 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 angle. Because you're really not hitting them in real life. So you got to sell that to a specific angle. Which is why... Stage fighting, if you ever see a play and you see a fight that you really believe, that is magic. Because basically the actors, yeah, the actors have to account for not one one person watching, not one camera, and sell a hit for one angle, they have to account for you and you. We hate you, by the way. This, yes. We, the, most of rehearsal for fights has to account for that seat right there. And, uh, and also, you have the nap to deal with on stage, which means that when you hit a guy, it has to have a sound. So when you hit a guy on stage, you go like this. Yeah, I won't hit you. Right, on. right? so you grab him. There's all these art, and people, some naps are like really jealously guarded, like little secrets. Like I saw, I saw a guy get hit in the head with a baseball bat at Steppenwolf, and I still can't figure out the nap. It almost really? made me throw up. It was so realistic. It was so beautiful. And I later 
I started a theater company and they liked my theater company. I was kind of like a little stepchild, but they would never tell me about the nap. Now, was it a wooden bat or metal bat? Yeah, what? Was it wooden bat or metal bat? Wooden. It was wooden. Really? Because I know how to do a metal bat. You put a little, you put a, you cut it open, you reweld it. So when you swing it, when you do the full swing, it goes bunk right on the bottom of it. Oh, yeah, I've done some stage fighting. Wait a minute, you do a full contact bat? No, 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 I don't make contact, but when you make contact to the actual person, oh, it goes like, so you go like this. So you go like this, and you go light, and you know, it looks like it's real. It goes, boom! Oh, that's like a slapstick. It's that's really great, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to weld it, too, especially that's when you're sick. sitting there for 12 hours, and your eyes are burning because you forgot your glasses, <laughs> and it needs to be done tomorrow morning, and you're like, F it. <laughs> you got potato peels in your eyes, and you're just like, ah. Oh. All right, so... I think it's all my questions. Um, oh, actually, you know what? No, your music. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your writing process? Because I heard your sound check, and it sounds great. Thank and I actually I have some music, so I'm just saying, what's your writing process? I got no process at all, man. Rock on! Next question! No, I feel, no really, if I'm, if I'm well-rested, and in a good, if, I, if I have a week of being well-rested, which is almost never... <laughs> then I, I, the songs tend to come up, but I, I can't just sit down and decide to write a song. Like I'll usually just start humming something, and then I have to go find the chords, and then it all starts. But it's really just whenever it happens. Now, are you one of those people who's like, I want to do sketches or, or sketchbooks, or are you just typing away? No, it's all, it's all by instinct. It's like, like I don't even really write it down nice. until much later. So you're a Quentin Tarantino kind of person who's just like, he's just like, ah, I'm on a plane. When I'm like, oh, I got the movie done. Now let me write it. Yeah. It's like, really, dude? Well, it's called the brain. You, the you know, you got yeah, memory, I, you know? I got a little problem with memory then. <laughs> the booze has really affected me. Because well, yeah. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I think a great dialogue. And I, like, two minutes later, I'm like, oh, what was that dialogue? Oh. Darn. All right, let's open for questions. You're on the honor system. I will run down there if it's inappropriate. No, I'm kidding. Let's go ahead and do it. You can ask anything you want, guys. Just any question you want. I won't necessarily children. answer any question, but you can try. I have my own ring. I was talking to my manager, and I was like, man, why don't I get a ring? I'm all sweating over finding the right ring and everything. She should give me a ring, too. I go to Germany. Sure enough. Boom. She got a ring for me. Yeah. You got your bling? Let me see. Oh, it's nice. Right. Silver? No, yeah. It's not, it's, it's not really blingy, but that's kind of me. It's sparkly. I'm so blingy. Yeah. <laughs> it's your shiny shoes. Yeah. Cool <laughs> shoes, though. Thank you. <laughs> Um, he's the dirtiest character I've ever played. They, they literally rubbed about a pound of dirt on me during the filming. Um, yeah, he's a really violent character. He's a really manipulative character. Uh, he's a really bad person. And so you have to find the love. You, you, you have to... I, I feel like if you find the love in any scene or any character, then you get the main vein of gold. Uh, and so I, I spent most of the time between takes praying, actually. 
uh, praying for the world, praying for uh, peace, uh, praying for my brother, praying for my mother, praying for anybody I knew, even though I'm not really sure God is out there, um, uh, to, to, to have that, uh, I don't know, that, 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 that strong sense that you're right, that surety. Um, to tell you the truth, I mean, there's a lot about Barnabas that I agree with. Because he basically, Barnabas is living in ancient Rome, and he's watching people go to the Colosseum and eat each other alive, and he's basically saying, man, this is wrong. This society has no mooring. There's no philosophy behind it that says this is right and this is wrong, and if you do wrong, you're going to pay for it. And, the, and because the, the world of Caprica is very much like the Roman world with a pantheon of gods and no encoded moral system. So he decides we need a moral system. We need one God who says, man, if you pee in the pool, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> right? The only di- and so it really devolves to the only, and I, I, I can see what he, I can see the point. And I can, I can even say that's a very valid point, actually. Um, the difference is between Barnabas and me is I am in the middle of a peaceful revolution as an artist, so I'm revolting with my songs and my acting or what I write or whatever, and he's in the middle of a violent revolution. So it's, a, it's kind of a small difference, really. That was very serious. Sorry. Yeah, you kind of brought the, the lightheartedness down. You're all like, you're all like, yeah, we're rock and roll, and you're like, no, seriously, he uh, thinks the world should be a law and order. It's like, wow. Man, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. All right, next question. My favorite way to do it is just hire a good director and let him do it. That's uh, a brilliant way to do that, by the way. It keeps us in business. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, because I'm really, you know, when I'm acting, I'm being subjective, uh, which means I would choose someone based on my own needs, not necessarily the script's needs. So I, I try not to even be in on the decision-making about that, unless I'm producing. You know, if I'm the producer, then I'm in on all of that. But if I'm just acting, I like to just keep my nose in the script. Yeah. Now, who's Stephen? Stephen is a f- maniac. Uh, he's a he's a fan that comes and orders me around all the time. But oh. he always has interesting questions. He's always the guy who, if 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 you guys are very brave, everybody wants to ask questions. But sometimes no one wants to be first. But Stephen always wants to be first. Rock on. All right, next question. I have I have a really classy question here. Um, I have to know uh, what's it like to make out with John Barrowman? <laughs> hey. Before you answer that, remember that game I told you about, the 25? The 25, you said, those 25 things they ask at all time? Uh-huh. Every time you get to ask, we're going to do a shot. All right, let's do it. Okay. The, the truth is that I don't really feel sexy when I do love scenes. Because, like, dude, when I want to kiss a girl, man, or guy, <laughs> I want to be the one who decide to do that. And if someone says, okay, kiss him and you're getting paid for it, what is your profession? 
So, so, I mean, really? A kissogram? I'm a, I'm a whore. Yeah, cool. I'm kissogram. A whore. I, I like it. Just, yeah. I'm a prostitute. I mean, this is, come on. So, show us your boob, you know. So, uh, so for me, it really is a very uncomfortable day whenever you shoot that stuff. And so what you really want is someone that you trust and feel comfortable with and someone who you really think has your back as a friend, right? And like Sarah was a really good person, but she loved to give me shit. She just, she like, we would do love scenes and she was a lead, so she refused to show any skin, which meant that I had to show double skin. And so... And, but my, she would rub it into me. She would come in with a muffler and gloves and a jacket <laughs> for the love scene. It's like, this is my costume. <laughs> so that was kind of hard. You know, or, you know, like you, you show up to work and, and, and the only costume you have is a sock. <laughs> and and you, you, show, you, know, you take the robe off and you're hoping no one cracks a joke. And Sarah's like, <laughs> well, that's very large. <laughs> You're the flea of the acting world. Oh. <laughs> and then, so on the other end of it, you get John Barrowman, right? Now, when I, on, on, the, uh, on the first episode, uh, during that, the kissing fighting scene, I blew a gag, right? Uh, and when we went through the glass, I, I, I took the wrong angle and I got cut. But I didn't want anyone to know that I blew the gag because if you blow the gag, they're going to send the stuntman in and you'll never get back on, on mm -hmm. the set, right? So the next day comes and I'm still bleeding through the costume. And John comes up to me and goes... You, you blew the gag, didn't you? You blew it, didn't you? And I said, yeah, man, I blew it. And he goes, dude, go to your trailer. I'll get you a doctor. Just go, 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 go. And, and, and the director's like, where are you going? And John goes to talk to him. And he got his own personal physician to come and stitch me up, take the stain out of my costume, get me back on set, and no one knew anything. Nice. And so John is the man. Thank you. Yeah, that happens so quite in, a bit. In all honesty... In all honesty, I'd rather kiss John than anybody else I've ever kissed because I trust that guy. Very good. All right, Sailor Moon. But Sarah does have nice lips. Okay. Uh, hello. Um, I wanted to know which um, cast was more fun to work with, Angel or Buffy? Oh. <laughs> Is that one of those questions? No. Okay. Um, I, I would say Angel. Uh, for no other really? real reason... The, the real reason was that the, the, the cast of Angel was, was about 10 years older than the cast of Buffy on average. And, <laughs> and we were old enough to realize how lucky we were. Um, there's something that happens to actors when they get famous. Um, actors usually come from broken households and hard childhoods. And they come with a lot of baggage. And they all have this assumption that when I make it, when I become famous and rich, all of my problems are going to dissolve and I will finally be happy, right? And then they get on a TV show and they get money and they get fame and none of their problems go away and they go insane. And they realize there's nothing from the outside that's gonna make me happy. Because I went through this myself. And, and you really start to lose your moorings a little bit. And uh, it takes someone older than 30 to kind of hang on to the, you know, the center of yourself through that. And nothing against the cast of Buffy, but they were just too young for the amount of fame that they got. And there was just too much whining. I, 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 I'm a producer who, who, who's famous for firing actors. Like, like when I was at a theater company, if you showed up and you didn't know your lines, you showed up late too many times, I would fire you so fast and take your role and get great reviews. And, That's brilliant, yeah, sir. And I, I, was, I was married. I, I, I'm divorced now from my ex-wife, but she was also a really good actor, so it was a female that messed up. Boom, fired. She's in. 
So everybody, everybody was afraid of working for New Mercury Theater, but they all wanted to work for us because there was no bullies in the pool. But I was very used to being able to go up to an actor and saying, goodbye. And so a lot of times on Buffy, I was thinking, you're fired. <laughs> oh, did I say it? Did I? Ooh. I'm not, I'm not a producer right now. And so I never said it out loud, but I was thinking it all the time. Yeah. But I mean, nothing against them, because really, if I, had, if I had that much money and fame dumped on me when I was in my early 20s, I, I, I spent a lot of my early 20s in jail anyway, so I, 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 I would have I been horrible. So I, there's no judgment involved, but it, it was better to work with the, the angel cast. Thank you. All right, Dr. Horrible, what you got? Uh, I'm a big fan. I've watched most of your stuff that isn't um, too inappropriate. <laughs> Wait a minute, right it. there. What was inappropriate? I don't know. Oh, you know what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah see? Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, okay. And I've always wondered, what was your favorite character to do? Without... Exception Spike. That's a crowd pleaser. He was, um, see, Joss didn't realize what he was doing, but uh, like I said before, he was very uncomfortable with the character being popular. So he wrote a, he wrote a, a series about outcasts and nerds and people that, that weren't popular in school. But, yeah, exactly, which is all of us, really. Oh my God! Me. Woo! Yeah, hell yeah! We rule the world. Um, but without realizing it, he created me as the outcast of the outcasts. That I was the the one that was so nerdy that even the nerds wouldn't talk to him. So he wrote a series that spoke to anyone that feels like an outcast. But he created me as the uber outcast without even realizing it. And I, I think to some extent that's why the character worked as well as it did. Thanks. You're welcome. Next question. So I was wondering, how do you get into the role of being like the big badass, like Bart, like um, the, the guy in Caprica, I'm sorry, brain fart. Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas, yeah. You know, where he's standing up there and just, you know, talking like normally with barbed wire in his arm. Or then you got Captain Hart, who's got two guns and a cantana and swaggering everywhere. Yeah. Well, okay, this is a sick truth. <laughs> I have to admit something here. Uh, uh, when you beat somebody up, it feels really good. <laughs> Why is that hard to admit? That's, that's the Well, because I'm a dad now, and I'm like, you know, I'm older, and I haven't hurt anybody in a long time, and I'm not that proud of stuff the I did. The still young, sir. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> but, I mean, the truth is, as a human animal, it just feels wonderful to dominate someone like, like that. It's not necessarily good but it feels good. And so, really, you just have to let yourself not feel guilty about it and just enjoy hurting people. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the key is to have fun. And it sounds sick. It sounds really sick, but that's the audience loves it, so... <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome, man. All right, next. Okay. I hope this question makes sense, um, but throughout Buffy, I saw that, like, you were really in love with her, and even without the soul and after the soul, you were still all in love with her. But after you went on to Angel and you um, got your body back and you weren't a ghost anymore, you went with Harmony and you know something, something. And <laughs> no, I went with Harmony on Buffy too. I know, but you didn't have a soul then, and yeah. I just kind of thought that that was uh, 
sorry. You can't blame him, man, because he doesn't have a soul. No, I'm not. Come on. That's not like it's the ultimate excuse. No, Honey, I, was, I didn't mean it, man. I didn't have a soul. I know. I have a soul now. That's one thing I thought. I just, um, I thought it was really out of character for Sold Spike, and I just wanted to know, like, how you viewed that. Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? No, because he got his heart broken by Buffy. I know, but he was. And still... so he picked somebody that looked like Buffy that he could abuse. <laughs> I caught that right away, actually. Yeah. I mean, poor Harmony, man. Yeah. Like, there's this one shot when she was like crying. It's like he's so mean to me. Dude, like, when I saw Harmony. that shot, I was like, they're gonna hate me now. Oh my god. Dude, poor Harmony. Have you read the comics at all? No. Dude, she's come back with a vengeance. Nice. <laughs> like epically. I'll show you the book. It's awesome. Good for her. Good for her. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Welcome. All right. What is it? Indigo Lantern? Yeah. Yes. Indigo. There you Finally. go. Finally. Oh. Okay. So that was a major spoiler, and um. So I know every actor has like major meltdowns like on stage that they have to work into something. Like what was the one you remember most that you had to work with? There's something that someone else did. Oh. Since you just asked you, do you remember the hardest time you cried? You know, cried? that's the thing, man. Everybody writes these stories where actors are always losing their patience and screaming and stuff. But the truth is, we always get, you know, dumped on ice water for eight hours, slapped in the face for 12 hours, and we don't lose our temper. And, and, and the whole crew goes, I don't know how you can stand that, man. Forget it. Um, I, I... I've never lost my temper because I don't want to be the actor that I would have fired. You know, uh, but I, I, I don't, I, I have to really, I, I'm really trying to pull this out. No, I've never seen anybody lose it on the set. I've seen the crew lose it. I've seen directors lose it. I've seen producers lose it. I've seen everybody else lose it, but I never saw an actor lose it. Did you ever like make a giant mistake like on stage? Like you forgot your line or something? Okay, two biggest mistakes I've ever made. <laughs> one, one was on stage, right? I was doing a... Uh, uh, Misalliance, a Shaw play. And uh, Rick Tudor is a, a major actor in Seattle, really good guy, standing out on the, on, the, on, the, on the stage delivering his dialogue. And I'm supposed to come and talk to him, and I go up. So I come down and talk to him, and I look, I look and I'm like, save me, save me. Yeah. I just went up, and he just goes, <laughs> Dude, really? Like, You're on your own, brother. Young what? little, oh yeah, because I was the young actor and, and he's oh. the older actor. He's like, you save yourself, bro. This is the ice. You skate. That is horrible. They're supposed to, no, they train you in acting 101. <laughs> if the person messes in line, what? Are you, are like, you have to come up with something witty. They Hell. teach you improv for a reason. That's horrible. Uh, it was like, it's like, you better dig yourself out of this hole or go back to wherever you were before you decided to be an actor, bro, because this is the time. That was, oh my God, I'll never forgive him. The other huge mistake I made was on the set of Buffy, right? And we were, I had just become a regular on the show, and Sarah was, we were shooting, and it was a sorority house scene, and there were all of these other people, like 50 other teenage people staring at us, and Sarah's going, just you remember, this is my show, not yours, mine. It is not Spike show, it is the Buffy show, not yours, mine. And I went like this. Not yet. <laughs> wow, really? That's high five, sir. Everybody, that was fantastic. By the way, and all the teenagers went. 
<laughs> I could just see Sarah like, I'm going to get you. Oh, my God. And then she came in with a wool and everything. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever got out of that hole. I never <laughs> got out of that hole. So, like, for years, I was like, it's called the Buffy Show. It's, just it's not called the Buffy. Yeah. Please no more. Please no more. Yeah. All right, next. Um, this is a question kind of for actors. Um, I read in an interview where you said when you made the move out to L.A., you didn't have an agent or a manager or... Anything like you basically had your SAG card or a clue. Okay. Um, I actually just came back from LA, having experienced that, and I was wondering what you, how you found the auditions for, and especially for Buffy, like how you made it there so that you could go on. And this is going to be really depressing. Okay. Probably. Oh wow! Rock on. I slept my way to the top. No. Um, <laughs> I had a friend uh, from uh, high school that went on to be one of the major casting directors in Los Angeles. His name is Robert Ulrich. And uh, I've just known him forever. And he's always been very supportive of me. Uh, we hooked up when we were in New York. He was uh, an actor and I was going to Juilliard and you know, we kept the relationship going. So when I, I had a son, and, and I remember he was getting wiped off, uh, he was all bloody, and he was getting wiped off on the warming table. And they, they say that um, when a man sees his first child, his cognitive abilities like double. Uh, he starts thinking ahead. I'm sure the same is true with women, but they haven't done the test yet, you know? Um, but I experienced this change as a voice in my head going, go to Los Angeles, whore yourself out, make money. You are happy being poor. This little guy will not be. Darth Vader talk to you? Wow. Dude, you got an inner Vader. Does he go, no, whatever you got? Nice. And so I, I immediately I called up my friend Robert Ulrich and said, will you help me out? And he said, of course. And at that point, I'd moved down to L.A. If Robert would have said no, I would never have gone. Because really, it, 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 there's, there's a million and a half actors in L.A. And 20% of them are in the union. And 90% of the people in the union never get work. We have a 90% unemployment rate in our union. And the lucky ones get in the union. So it's hard. Yeah. But I, I had a friend who was in. Now, would you recommend trying to go crew-wise for her so that way you get to know people? And that's, cause that's really how the business works is knowing people, nepotism, you know, knowing who everyone is, getting to meet people. And that's probably smart if you just get a job as a PA and try to get paying jobs there. And that way you keep going, keep going. And one day you'll be like, hey, I want to make a movie. And then you'll get free work because everyone loves you because you make cake. <laughs> or pie, if you don't like, yeah. All right, Next. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. Today hasn't been the best day. My boyfriend ditched me here. And Aww. Aww. So, Fool. And he promised that he would be with me all day today. And then he left me. So, But I was wondering maybe to make it a little bit better if you wouldn't mind seeing just a little bit of rest in peace from Once More with Feeling. But you know we do have 10 minutes. So. Okay. For you. Thank you. Won't you rest in peace? Won't let me get some sleep? I don't remember more than that. Let me oh, bury it in a hole. She said a little bit, so. I can lay my body down, but I can't find my sweet release. So, so won't you rest in peace? peace. Why did you see that into the mic? You could have had a duet right there. You got a nice voice. She does. 
<laughs> I'm gonna go sit And back. your boyfriend's an idiot. You're beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Go to Geek Prop. You'll find a better boyfriend. Trust me. I dated the wrong people for a long time too, man. You just, it's not your fault. Dude, high five for that. All right, next question. Let's go. Well, she kind of stole my idea, but hey. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting over laryngitis. Um, who is your favorite cast member on Buffy and Angel to work with, and who do you still keep in contact with? Anthony Head. I dig it. We yeah, we were the two old and men. And Amber, right? We were the two old men on the set. So we were like... But you guys are one. so hot. <laughs> oh, man. I, this, is, this is my memory of Anthony. The first time I met Anthony, I had no one introduced me to him. I had I, I, done three days shooting, and he comes up to me right in my face and goes, we don't say it like that, you prat. I seriously yeah. goes, thought goes, you were British goes, until I saw you on a television interview. Like, you do the accent so well, I was just well, floored. Because it's Tony. Because he rode me. Really? He was up my butt. Oh he's my in a, he's an amazing every musician day. as well. Oh, and when I said bollocks wrong, oh, he went through the roof, man. So. He was like, I've got to go home. I've got to go home and talk to people and say, I'm on the show with this crap actor who can't do an accent. <laughs> well, nice. you did excellent. I did, because I really, I really did have someone helping me with the dialogue for the first year and really make sure it was all right. And I, I couldn't have paid someone better than Tony. Yeah. He's a really nice guy, too. And a he great musician like point. you as well. <laughs> I've heard his music, so thank you. Right on. Okay. You rock. <laughs> Again, go to Geek Prom. You'll find somebody just who will not leave you. Geek Prom. Oh, never mind. I lied. I lied. Don't even, don't even listen to me. <laughs> See, it's amazing because I'm a dad of a 13 and a 14 year old, so mostly what I hear is, you never give me anything. You always let me down. Nah, 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 all day, and then I come here and you're so nice to me. <laughs> We're not 13 and 14. <laughs> Thank you. I think we got time for three more questions. Yes. I'm sorry, guys. But you guys can also see him play tonight. And if you don't have your tickets, seriously, buy your tickets. It's a phenomenal show. It's going to be great. So let's get these last three questions. If we go quick, we might have more, okay? No one has ever asked for their money back when I sing. Really? Okay. Um, my question is, what was your favorite episode to do of Buffy, and what was your favorite episode to do of Angel? My favorite Buffy, without exception, would be the musical episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for a different reason than you might think. This is the reason I love it so much. One day, I'm in my trailer, Josh knocks on the door, and he goes, here, this is the music for the next episode. And he hands me a little cassette tape. I'm like, the, mu the music for the what? <laughs> and he's like, I I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very busy, I gotta go. And so I'm just standing there with the tape. I was like, okay, man. Put it in, put it in the little tape recorder right in, the, in the trailer. And it's Joss and his wife, Kai. And Joss is playing piano. Now, now oh, Kai yeah. and Joss are wonderful people. And they're both geniuses. But they can't sing at all. <laughs> and Joss can't play piano to save his life. And so what you have is like these two warbling weirdos <laughs> singing this music. And, and I, I, my face just kind of fell like... He's gone insane. We lost Joss. Joss is on drugs, man. 
And, 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 I, and, I, and I come out of the trailer with this bewildered look in my eye, and everyone else is coming out of their trailer with the same look on their eye. Like, <laughs> They're all just doing this. And, awesome. and we go to Jocelyn, and we say, what the hell? And he's like, we are going to do a musical episode. You're absolutely going to do it. And then a lot of the, like Tony and I, were already singing publicly. So we were like, well, you know, okay. But the rest of the people felt like they were being asked to, like, juggle chainsaws or something. Like, <laughs> like you're going to ruin my career. Like, I didn't sign up to be a musical actor. I'm a dramatic actor, and you're going to make me do something that I can't do in front of millions of people, and you're going to ruin my life. It would have been true. Uh, and everyone begged Joss to get out of it. Everyone went down on their knees, except for Tony and I, and tried to get out of it, and screamed and cried and everything. And Joss said, nope, you're absolutely going to do this. And at some point, the whole cast kind of realized they weren't going to get out of it. And then they all just turned on a dime and all hired vocal coaches and started rehearsing and stretching out and getting ready for it and still thinking that it was all going to be bust. Uh, and the, 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 the whole, the, the, when we were filming the first three days, everybody had their heads down, like, oh, my career's over, or whatever. Like. And then Joss, um, the first scene that was uh, edit, uh, cuttable was the um, Xander dance sequence with Emma. Nice. And so he goes, guys, guys, come over here. And he had a little TV on the set, and he pressed play, and we saw the scene. And all of a sudden, we realized it was going to be fucking great. <laughs> and we, so we went from the depths of depression to the heights of a triumph. But, but it, because nobody wimped out. Nobody, everybody knuckled under and really worked. And I've never been more proud of, of, of the Buffy cast than that performance because I think that everybody really manned up or womaned up and, and, and did the thing. Um, uh, and no one more than Sarah. You know, Sarah, Sarah had the most to lose and she had the most to do. And she hired three vocal coaches. Yeah. Three? Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. She's, all, oh, she's so disciplined. It's just scary. Um, my favorite angel, again, would be when I kicked Angel's ass in the theater. Yeah. But for a different reason than you might think. It, the reason that, that was my favorite was that, that David was having, David's a good guy, and he was having knee problems, and he was going to be going into surgery to fix the knee problems, so he couldn't twist, right? And, and it, it was a complex fight. And they were pressuring him to twist and do all these moves that he couldn't do. And he just kept being very patient, just going, no, I can't do that. My doctor says that I'll be in a wheelchair if I do that. No, I can't do that. And, and, you know, but he never gave up. And he was there the whole, the whole time. And he didn't go home early. He didn't send a stunt guy in. And he did it himself, even though he was in incredible pain the whole time. So I, I just, whenever I see that, I'm like, David, man. Boom. Thank Okay, I have sort of, you were in P.S. I Love You, and I was watching it with my girlfriends, and I said, hey, that's Spike from Buffy, and they all went, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, yes, it is, and about that time, they said, um, Vampire Slayer is not a job opportunity in the movie. And I said, see, I told you I was wrong. <laughs> so my question is, is do you have anything special from that movie? Because it just really made it good for me because I went, ah, I know who he is. And yeah. I was right and they were wrong. <laughs> what, I, what I take away from that experience was this, this uh, theory that I had, which was that if you get to the very top levels of any profession, you find pretty good, cool people. Because if they have any social problems or if they lose their temper too often, they won't get to the top. And really, I, I think of, that's probably, I was amongst more A-list actors than I've ever been before on that. And everybody was 
brilliantly cool. Like, like Kathy Bates is like 78 years old or something. She had 102 temperature, right? And, and we're filming uh, a scene where uh, all of the friends and family break in on Hilary Swank, who's, who's uh, lip-syncing a song and gets embarrassed. But we spent 17 hours filming this way on Hillary, and after 17 hours, finally flipped around to, to film us. And so Kathy Bates, 78 years old, 102 temperature, 17 hours later, she's standing at the door, and everyone's behind her, and I'm thinking, oh, man, how's she going to hold up? Is it going to be okay? Are we going to get this scene? Is it okay? And she turns around to the cast and goes, men from the boys, men from the boys, guys. Yeah. Boom. I'm in love with her. And plus, she really liked my video game. Like, I had my PSP. She's like, oh, this is wonderful. (laughs) Like, uh, Jerry Butler, great guy. Great guy. Used to be a lawyer. Really intelligent. A lawyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And Hilary Swank, I I used to think I was this cool. I used to think I was the coolest, like... Not, not cool like, hey, I'm cool, but just like, hey, chill, and you know, you throw mud on me, I'm okay, you can do what you need, and everything. Hillary taught me that I wasn't not as cool as I thought I was, because I'm not as cool as Hillary. Like, there was one scene where uh, Jerry was like doing a strip tease for her, and like, he's got his suspenders on, right? And the suspender got caught on a set piece, and he decided to try to save the take. So, so he stretched extra hard on the suspenders, and the suspenders broke, and the metal clamp, you know, with the teeth like that, just went right at Hillary's face <laughs> and implanted in her forehead, stuck in. They had to take it out of her forehead. She had these perfect little jaws in her, in her forehead. And I saw her the next day. She had a big old bandage. She's like, well, I guess I get to be a character actor after all. I mean, that's you are not a diva, are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so really, what I, the, the takeaway for me was that... that uh, uh, all, all the stuff you hear about all the big actors being weirdos, it's not true. It's just good press. Okay. Seriously, man. Seriously. They, they would not get to the level that they were at. No one would risk $80 million on them not losing their temper if they ever lost their temper. So, like, you hear about, uh, what's the guy that threw the phone in the London? Uh, uh, which one? Christian There's Bale. Like eight Russell Crowe. Christian Bale, Russell, Russell Crowe. I know. But, but, but Russell Crowe now, have you ever stayed in an English hotel? <laughs> I have. Really, I have come so close, so close in an English hotel, so I forgive him for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, unfortunately, we've passed our time, so... Is, is Captain this, Jack, I know, I know, I know. Um, quick question, okay? Right, so basically, the, um, the way that you developed such a good accent was basically by listening to your linguist coach or something, right? Yeah, just, just not wanting Tony to hit me in the head. <laughs> I think we should end on that. Not wanting Tony to hit him in the head. Yeah, because Tony sounds like Spike in real life. He, he doesn't sound so plummy in real life. He goes, hey, look, we don't say it like that. Do it. Yeah. Well, you do a really good job of the accent going back and forth. Going thank back you. and forth. Good job. Right All right. Thank you, guys. Come to us concert. It's great. Love you guys. All thank right. you. All right. Let's step back.